0: Welcome to Church Chat by Assembly Hub, and this is episode number 13. Welcome to another episode of Church Chat, and I am back with my regular, uh, familiar friend, Shane Johnson. Hi, Shane. Hello there.
1: Good to be back again.
0: Yes, and today's subject, I'm just going to come right out and say it. It's the Lord's Supper, which is a huge subject to talk about in our circles in the brethren movement. I've thought about this for quite a long time. It's just one of those parts of our movement that is so important to so many people. So I want to say right off the start here of this maybe even the series on the Lord's Supper, that the things that at least I'm going to say, and I think I can say this for you too, Shane, we are not in any way minimizing people's views of the Lord's Supper. I have certain thoughts on it, but that in no way diminishes another person's view of the importance or the value or the uh, even the way everything is done. I want to just say that I respect those views and Shane, I, I think you would say the same.
1: Yeah, let me put a disclaimer out there. Also, uh, just because we're talking about the breaking of bread does not mean we're picking it apart or uh, saying we're doing it wrong. It is, I feel, the heart and soul of uh, the brethren movement. It's been very helpful for believers to do the breaking bread the way we've done it. Uh, we just want to explore and examine what the scripture says and what the breaking of bread means and just talk about it, but it doesn't mean we're tearing down the wonderful meeting called the breaking of bread.
0: No, absolutely. And you make a great point that the Lord's supper, from what I can gather in my little bit of historical research of the brother movement, it was sort of the, the main reason why the movement started was because there were a number of men from different, church groups that wanted to get together and they saw the importance of the Lord's Supper in the New Testament and they wanted to get together to do that and in the church systems that they were a part of they weren't really allowed to or it wasn't really functioning the way that they saw it in the New Testament and so it is important to note that the the movement sort of started with this meeting as a core part of why they actually went away from the groups that they were with and formed this new, uh, or it wasn't necessarily new, but to, at that time and to them, it was new. So that's a really good point. And I think it's important that we start that way because it is sort of historically a big part of, of who we've
1: been and, and what we're all about. Just let me say personally that my own uh, learning and, and growth of just learning about the cross, the resurrection, the person of Christ, all of that has been accomplished through not necessarily Bible school or Bible studies, but it is the breaking of bread. When men and women adore and worship and speak about the Lord Jesus at the breaking of bread, that had a direct influence on my respect for the cross and for the tomb and understanding the person and work of Christ. So it has been extremely Important in my life and practical in my life for my education and learning about holiness and and God's character Yeah, wonderful.
0: I I couldn't agree more. It's a is a very precious and important time for my week, but it does get us into this first question and I think this is really one of the major dilemmas that we have within our movement is this question, is the Lord's Supper the most important meeting of the church? Is it above all else, do we put it higher than anything else that we do? And I know, personally, there are those, and maybe some of you that are listening, that would hold to that view, and I totally respect that view. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Shane, and you and I can, I don't even know where you stand on this question, so it'll be interesting to have this conversation. Is the Lord's Supper the most important meeting of the church?
1: I think when you get into questions of most important, least important, I mean, it's subjective right off the top because you make a value judgment of what, what's most important or not, not most important. I mean, the Lord Jesus can do that. He can say the greatest commandment is this, but he didn't say the greatest meeting is the breaking of bread. So so we're kind of left at all the meetings are important. Prayer is important. fellowship's important. Breaking of bread's important. Apostles' doctrine is important. So, no, I don't think it's the most important meeting of the church. I really hold to the four legs of the table illustration. And if you have four legs, you're stronger than three legs. You have two legs, you're in trouble. If you have one yeah, leg, you're definitely right. going to fall down.
0: So that's where I stand. This is getting into a much bigger topic, but uh, we've, we, you and I have talked about this a lot. What does the scripture actually say? And I think, it, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of this, you know, what, what does the scripture say about the Lord's Supper? Also, what does the scriptures not say about the Lord's Supper? And I think that this is getting into an area where we can infer from certain passages anything we want. And so I was just thinking about this as we were preparing for this. You know, if I, if I have the gift of teaching and teaching is my thing, then I could probably take some scripture and say, well, look, see, this. the scriptures show that teaching is really the most important. Or if evangelism is my, is my gift, then I could probably say, hey, you know, the Lord commanded us before he we went to heaven. It was the last thing he said, go and Ooh. preach. We have to be very careful because, as you mentioned, the scriptures, they don't say that any meeting is more important than the other. We have to be really careful when we try to imply something that the scriptures don't say. So I'm with you 100%. On that. I think it's super important. And I might say to a lot of us, it's maybe the most precious thing. It, it might be the most meaningful personally, but to say that it's the most important meeting of the church or the preeminent meeting, I don't think we can substantiate that from scripture.
1: And I think what you said about infer it is how we get to these interpretations. And it's a great mechanism, right? Drawing inferences and trying to figure things out. that That is part of it. But we must be careful. Something directly said always trumps something implicit or indirectly said. So when the Lord Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, yeah, obviously we infer that this is very important. So that's a great inference. But That makes it an important meeting for sure, but it doesn't make it the be-all and end-all that trumps all other meetings. For instance, I do not think it's wise when a family or a brother or a sister comes to the breaking of bread only and then leaves, does not fellowship with the saints, does not listen to the Bible teaching, not exactly sure what their reasons are, but if the reason is, because the breaking of bread is the most important meaning of the church, that's, that's not right. I don't think that's what Christ wants. That
0: is a really good point. Uh, we didn't even have that in, in sort of our notes here, but that is really important because because you lose out on so many other necessary parts of the Christian life. And I think that you're right. That is maybe... One of the reasons why, because they feel like, well, if I'm going to show up to one meeting, that's going to be the Lord's Supper. But that's, as you said, that's really not healthy
1: for the individual. It's also disrespecting the saints that God wants you to fellowship with and love. He wants you to be there with them. Sort of only coming to the breaking of bread sort of says, well, I'm here for the Lord Jesus, not really for the rest of the body. And we know that's not how Christ thinks, right? He says, what you do to the least of these, you do unto me. Christ is very connected to his people.
0: Another thing that I thought of as you were saying that about someone just coming maybe for the Lord's Supper, is that maybe, and, and I don't want to, I'm going to be car- try to be careful as I say this, but I've seen the Lord's Supper treated almost like, you know how when you go into somebody's house, and maybe they're they've got a larger house, and they have different rooms, and there's that one room that, Nobody goes into and because they don't want to mess it up, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like it's like the sacred room, you know, like only the very best people go in there and no kids allowed, and you can't eat in that room. It's almost like people treat the Lord's Supper that way. It's like, Mm. okay, this is the revered meeting, I'm gonna dress up for this meeting. I always found it strange that people would say, okay, I'm gonna dress up and go to the Lord's Supper, but then prayer for some reason, the prayer meeting, uh, I don't need to dress up for the prayer meeting. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. But then I started to realize if I hold the Lord's Supper in this sort of almost like an untouchable, like it, it's something that we can't enter into anywhere else except at the Lord's Supper. I, I find that that's really not biblical. And we get into some some other problems based on that
1: view. Yeah, I don't think the problem necessarily is uh, holding the breaking of bread too highly, I think it's putting it above other meetings. We should hold the prayer meeting as highly. Yes. And, yeah, listening to the teaching or Bible study as highly. And therefore, we wouldn't do things like, you know, you point out dressing differently, whether that matters or not. But anyway, the other thing, we wouldn't miss a meeting or skip a meeting. See, sometimes we might miss a prayer meeting, but we wouldn't miss the breaking of bread, see, because we got that in a special category. Yeah. Let's put them all in that special category, and we will have a high view of prayer, a high view of breaking a bread, a high view of Bible study, etc.
0: Okay, let's move into some more. I guess they're practical, but they're also biblical. Let's let's move into some other questions around the Lord's Supper, and that is, when should we have the Lord's Supper? Is there a specific pattern? You know, should it be the first day of the week? Should it be every week? Should it be morning, evening? Do we have it for an hour, an hour and a half? We're, we're getting to some more of the specifics here, but I'm surprised at how many people have very, very strong views on how it must be done. So dive into that. What are your thoughts on the when of the Lord's Supper?
1: Yeah, well, like you say, that's a huge question. I don't claim uh, to be able to solve it. I do agree that people have been debating it, and, and it's very difficult to interpret. But, you know, one of the very well known verses on this topic of when is, of course, Acts chapter 20, verse 7, which says, Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. So, you know, it seems from that verse that on the first day of the week, they came together to break bread. So there's the pattern we follow and that's good we're drawing an inference there but the question is is that meant to be our pattern uh, is luke the historian of acts just describing what they did or is he is he implying and this is what you should do you know that might sound easy to figure out but just step back a verse to verse 6 acts 20 verse 6 it says but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days joined them at Troas, where we stayed seven days. So in verse six, it was after the days of unleavened bread. So again, now we have a, a historical reference. If people want to draw an inference from that, and I'm sure some people do, the Hebrew roots movement and all the, those Old Testament people, they're trying to keep the Old Testament stuff going, and, and they would probably observe the days of unleavened bread. But there, we sort of look at verse 6 and we say, oh, that was just historical. That was just Luke telling us what was happening. He's not prescribing what the church should do. But verse 7, now there's a verse that Luke is prescribing for us to do. So that's kind of interpretational obstacle number one. And then number two, we have Paul preaching until midnight. So I don't think they broke bread in the morning. And listen to paul preach from 9 from ten thirty, or 11 o'clock let's say the family bible hour all the way till midnight
0: that's that's a long day
1: <laughs> that's a long day i'm pretty sure they got together maybe like at six or seven or five had breaking of bread and then had some teaching and paul went on till midnight so bare minimum they were doing it at night so if we're going to hold to this New Testament pattern, New Testament pattern. Well, we got to do it at night cuz that's what Paul did. But we don't do that. We have a little wiggle room on that. So,
0: very good. I mean, it's just it's very difficult to read the book of Acts and get prescriptive doctrine or practice out of it. I mean, it's a narrative on what happened in very isolated situations. Did Paul do that everywhere he went? You know, was that something that was instituted? Again, we talked about this earlier. What does the scripture not say? I mean, it doesn't tell us, other than just suggesting that this is a something that they did at that particular time, what actually happened. And also another thing that goes along with what you mentioned about midnight, preaching till midnight, there is an inference that there was a meal involved. And of course, we know from First Corinthians eleven, That there were meals involved along with the Lord's Supper, and so we have this idea of this whole meal happening. It was a full event, and also in verse eleven of Acts chapter twenty, you know, after Eutychus, right? He he falls out of the window and and he gets revived, and it says in verse eleven, when when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten. He conversed with them a long while until daybreak. And so this is a, this is happening throughout the whole evening. This is a whole event. Was that the norm? <laughs> I don't think we could say that that was the norm. Hmm. So I'm all for having the Lord's Supper weekly. Just let me put that out there. I think you are too. I love that we do yeah. it on a Sunday. Absolutely. I, I love it. I wouldn't personally enjoy not having it weekly. But again, we want to be true to scripture. What does it actually say? Is this inferring that we should do it every week and every church has to do it every week? I don't think that we can come to that conclusion other than to say, hey, it's a good pattern. It seems like it's, you know, it's worthwhile doing it like this and we enjoy it. So let's let's do it. And yeah, descriptive or prescriptive, normative, historical information. What What is it? It's really hard to say.
1: We didn't even get into, you know, Acts chapter two, verse 46, which says they broke bread from house to house uh, on a daily basis. So, you know, again, is that just describing what they did? Or is that Luke saying, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you (laughs) should do this too. Obviously, the brethren have not done that. We have not broken bread from house to house daily. So we didn't take that one prescriptively but we did we do take acts 20 verse 7 prescriptively let me just say this in case again people misunderstand us we love the breaking of bread we love the way yeah we love the the weekly way we're doing it and we love giving the lord jesus the first place in a big way you know this this honors him Um, it's not the only way to honor him but it certainly is our way to honor him i think prophet what you are doing with bringing up these topics You're not trying to knock out the breaking of bread or change it. You just want the superior attitude to stop. That we, brethren of the assemblies, are somehow better than all the other churches because of the way we do it. You're right. That is a bad attitude. And we're we're trying to be honest as well. What does the scripture say? What, therefore, can we say about how we do things? We can't have this holier than thou attitude just because of the way we do it. I'm sure there's other ways to do it. I mean, if some other churches on planet Earth broke bread daily in a significant way, gave Jesus the first place in in those types of meetings and in those meals, more power to you. But here's how the brethren have been doing it. And you know what? It's been helpful. It's been a way to give the Lord Jesus a high place in our meetings. And that's why we do it. We're trying our best to pattern ourselves after the New Testament. But quite frankly, it's confusing. At times, we can't figure it out. So let's just admit that and carry on.
0: 100%. We want to look at other churches in a much better light. And I, I think that this is one area that we've held over other churches and said, well, you don't do it weekly. Therefore, you're not as spiritual. You're not as as biblical. You're not... And, you know, you pull out one verse, like Acts 20, and there's, there's also the, the argument of resurrection mourning. You know, you could again, infer lots of passages. But yeah, let's, let's not look down on others because they don't do it exactly the same way that we do it. So we have to be careful because of our time. But this is another huge part of this subject and that is the format. We've talked about a little bit about the when, but the next question is, well, how? How do we perform this meeting? And is that something that's set in stone? Is that something that we can say, this is what the Bible says we should do in this meeting? So let me just uh, start off, and then I'll throw this back to you, Shane, that I personally believe, if you look at the, the actual text of the verses around the Lord's Supper, that the only requirement to actually biblically conducting a Lord's Supper is that we break bread and that we take the cup. We don't have time to read those verses, but in 1 Corinthians 11 and in Luke, where the Lord's Supper is instituted, we have this very specific language. This do. Well, what is the this? The this is the bread and the cup. And this is where a lot of people get heated about this. That, uh, you know, maybe a church will have a meeting, and then they'll, and I'm, I'm using air quotes here, and you can't see them, Shane, but <laughs> I'm using air quotes, they'll tack on the Lord's Supper. And for some reason, somehow that's looked down upon, when in, in actual fact, the only requirement, like I said, is the bread and the cup. The fact that we've added, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, half an hour before the bread and the cup or whenever it's done, the fact that we've added what we would call worship around the breaking of bread does not mean that it's the prescribed way of doing the Lord's Supper. So I just want to, that's sort of my main thing about sort of the format is that I don't see a format beyond the bread and the cup. Like you said, we love, both of us love the format that we're involved in in our circles, but to say that that's the biblical format, I think is stretching scripture a lot.
1: There is no format uh, for the breaking bread except for taking bread and taking wine. So, you know, tacking it on, I'm using air quotes too, <laughs> I, I am against that in the sense that. If the Lord Jesus is not given a high place or that is not taken seriously or very meaningfully, if it's just tacked on, that is not treating the breaking of bread or giving it the place it deserves. Now, does that mean you have to do what we do an hour of, of worship or talking about Him, singing to Him before we take the bread and wine? No, you don't have to do it that way. But if you are going to put it at the end of a service, you know, at least talk about it and, and prep people and, and give it a high place. You know, you sometimes see this done uh, Easter. Maybe people are having a big revival or something, and it all culminates in taking the bread and the wine and it's pledging yourselves again to follow the Lord Jesus. So again that has tons of meaning and I just think that's the way he wants us to do it is to remember him and, and honor him. Because remember really doesn't just mean don't forget about me. It means give me the highest place in your life. So in whatever way you make that happen as a church, whether it's what the brethren have been doing, and again, just because we do it routinely doesn't mean we've always uh, done it meaningfully. Sometimes the church can be asleep and we're just going through the motions. We got to make sure we're also at the top of our game and, and, and it's very meaningful to, to each person
0: yeah because the format does not indicate the heart and and i think we could say that of all the functions of the church we can pride ourselves and i think we do or some people do pride ourselves on the format and we actually forget the heart of it all i mean we could have we could have a 2 hour long prayer meeting but nobody's really praying right i mean it it's it's all about like you said, giving place and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is no time limit on that. I guess that was my main point is that uh, when I use air quotes, it's as a tack on often people don't look at that because of the heart. They look at it because of how much time is given and you can have more heart in 20 minutes than in an hour, depending on the group or who's there. And so I think that, that maybe there's less heart and passion. But there's a lot more prominence on format and function than than maybe we need to think about. And, you know, last week was the week of prayer in North America, and there was a lot of call to repentance. And maybe that's one of the things that we need to repent of is that we're very good at following the format and the structure, but our hearts are not always there.
1: And a major theme in the Old Testament, especially the prophets, is criticizing Israel for their format and their routine without heart and without meaning. So yeah, that's a very thing to keep track of. God uh, definitely wants heart service, not lip service.
0: I think that based on our time, that's a good place to stop for now. I think there's more to talk about in terms of the format, but let's leave that for, for next uh, part of the series. We've got a lot more things to talk about um, in terms of the Lord's Supper. Uh, There's a big one, which I will not give away, but there's a big part of this discussion that we'll leave for another time. But these have been good thoughts, and I hope they're food for thought. And I, I really do hope our listeners will think about what we've said in terms of what's actually in the scriptures and really think about what is the Lord giving us to do and not focus on the way we do it, but what is actually in the scriptures. So I really appreciated your thoughts today. I thought they brought a lot of great balance to the subject. We'll look forward to part two. You're up for part two soon.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's fine.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. All right. And we'll talk to everybody next week. You have been listening to Church Chat by Assembly Hub. Check out all the articles and discussion at assemblyhub.com. Tune in next week to hear more Church Chat by Assembly Hub.